What does it take to be considered a top workplace? The top workplaces have always been known for providing for an environment of care and support. But the best businesses also fulfill one primary human need. That's the topic of today's episode. Welcome to the Love in Action podcast. The future of work isn't about shareholder value, technology, metrics, or automation. It's about being human and putting people first through actionable love. Welcome to the Love in Action podcast, where we hold deep conversations with extraordinary people to help you grow as a leader and expand your business. Here's your host, Marcel Schwantes. Welcome to the Love in Action podcast, now heard globally in over 100 countries. So glad you are here. This is the place where we hold conversations about how to make your business and workplace be both good for people and for profits through love and care. Now, there have been hundreds of articles and books written about workplace culture and countless opinions about what makes a great workplace. So what does it take to be considered a top workplace? The answer to that question in today's episode may surprise you. Turns out many of the solutions to transform work cultures today are actually founded on family science. You heard me right, family science. This is according to my distinguished guest today, David Schramm, a family scholar at Utah State University. He's a TEDx speaker, consultant, and trainer. His research centers on couple relationships, parenting, and flourishing at home and at work. So what's the link to business? Well, workplaces and cultures boil down to creating and maintaining happy, healthy relationships for leveraging business outcomes. And it starts with understanding human needs. David is gonna explain all that and what family science has to do with becoming a thriving business. David, pleasure having you on the show. Welcome to the Love and Action Podcast. Hey, Marcel, I'm so excited to be on with you today and share some things that I hope your audience will, will really benefit from today. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. And I'm geeked up about this one, David. So let's get going. We first start with sort of a human moment here. And that is, I always ask my guests to tell us what makes you smile when you get up in the morning these days? There's so much to, to be grateful for and to smile about. It, this morning, I, I woke up and I thought, it's Friday. I get to go and see a, a nephew's football game. I'm so grateful to be able to, to have sports back again. So that for me today, it was that. But every day I get to get up and study and research and write about how to help families. That's what gets me up. Well, I got to tell you something on my end that's similar to what you just said. Is What gets me up is that people like you keep informing my leadership practice and my thought leadership. So it's fascinating to me when I run into people like you who now just twist things around from the norm. And we'll get to that because I know my listeners are like, what is he getting to? So let's first get you acquainted or get our listeners acquainted with you. So for people just being introduced to your life's work, tell us what gets you up in the morning. I mean, what is your why? Yeah, my why is I get up because I, I grew up in an amazing family, in an amazing home with parents. I had four older sisters and a younger brother. I was able to see that family for me is everything. In fact, I have a sign right here in, in our office that says family is everything. 
So that's what gets me up is that I had a wonderful family. I have a great family, four kids today, an amazing wife. And that is my why. I want to help other people have wonderful family and relationships just like I did. Yeah, that's great, David. So it's important for listeners to know that you're not a business guy. You told me that you've never had a business or management class. You're a family scholar. And so that's the unique twist here, folks. And the big reason why I actually featured David in an Inc. Magazine article I wrote back a few months ago and why I wanted to bring you to the show. How did a family scholar find his way into business, leadership, and work culture? What's the story behind that? Yeah, it's an interesting, I'm, I'm probably unlike most of your guests, Marcel, in that my background, not a, not a business class ever. I, I'm just so foreign to that, to that concept of business, business and management. But it, it's, it's kind of a funny story. So I, I travel and I do speaking on, and mainly on family relationships and parenting and couples and happiness. I was driving down the freeway and I noticed all of these billboards from businesses and they had, I started paying attention. I said, oh my goodness, I just passed one that said, think family. That's all it said. It was a car dealership. And another one said, think caring, right? And so there's this theme. And I, uh, another one was, when you're here, you're family, right? And all this, this Olive Garden type of billboards and these, these billboards. And they really started talking about family. I thought, now, wait a second. Why would businesses use family in, on marketing messages? And so that's really what got the, the wheels yeah. turning is, is seeing these, these billboards and these, and these messages. So then it, it kind of spiraled from there. I thought, huh, I wonder if there's, a, if there's a link here, a family link into business. And that's really kind of what, what got me thinking about that the survey that I saw, the ink comes out, right? The greatest workplaces. And I thought, huh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little, little study of my own. I, and I wonder what I'm going to find here. So I, it was 2019, that one that came out. And they, they surveyed, what, over 139,000 people at all these workplaces across the United States. And it turns out that they were about, what, 346 that came out on top. And, and they have 100 words, right, to describe why they think they're a great place to work. And so I started analyzing. I started analyzing each of these 346 places. They're 100 words. And I did this word analysis, and I started searching, and I started crunching the numbers. And I was actually amazed. I was actually amazed at the most common words that, that stood out to me. And so as I started looking at these, at these words that came out, I started seeing words like fun and yeah. perks and growth. I saw, okay, yeah, you have strong businesses. They, they have this fun aspect with them. I also saw some that, that said benefits and care and environment, help and support. But what really stood out to me was the words values and the word home, and the word people. And then get this, it was the ninth most frequently used word was family. It was family. And I thought, there it is, right? Oh my goodness, that these strong workplaces, they are, are aiming to help these individuals. They see them really as people. And instead of just an, another, another number and someone that comes in and punches the clock, so that was really this, this big aha moment for me is that they are, they're meeting these needs, right? Of these, these employees and these people, they understand that what matters most to their employees, it's not their job, Marcel, it's mm. their family. That's yeah. what matters most to them. And so I thought, yeah, this is, this is the connection. 
And so from a family scholar perspective, I thought if businesses can treat their employees more like family, family relationships, because I study what makes for strong families. And then I thought, wait a minute, there's this correlation, what makes for best workplaces. And there's a lot of similarities that, that I'm excited to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. This is great. So let's keep connecting the dots because I never get to talk to, I never get to talk to a family scholar on the podcast because this is a business podcast. But now I'm, I have you on the show to connect the dots to business and the workplace. So according to science, and I'm going to ask you to get, give us a little, a short little lecture here on human development. And according to science, we enter this world with fundamental needs for surviving and thriving as we grow and develop. Okay, so tell us about those fundamental needs first. Okay, so, yeah, so we're all born into this world with these, these fundamental needs that we all have. And, and right off the bat, it is this feeling of emotional safety that's this psychological safety. It's feeling like that I can take risks, right, without this fear of, of punishment. And so it's this being able to have this, our, our, these fundamental needs. And so it's, it's food, it's clothing and shelter, it's, it's a paycheck, it's paying bills. Really, fundamentally, first, um, it is, is survival, really, yeah. is, that, is that first fundamental need that we, that we all have in our lives. Right. So then if we start to expand this into a business context, you say that you found this, quote, secret sauce, I don't know, loose term, I, I use that all the time as well, that will actually help companies become top workplaces. That is, if they meet three needs for human flourishing, which is really the topic of your TEDx talk. So I want you to unpack those three human needs for us. What are they? Yeah. Oh, man. Marshall, this, this is where it gets exciting. At least for me, this, is good. this gets really exciting because this is, this is the secret sauce. So the first need that we all have, again, it's this, this feeling of safety. Okay. And so when we have that fundamental need met and many, many workplaces, they're doing this and really they don't have to do much. They have to provide a benefits and a paycheck. So that's, that's basic need. But then it goes, it goes further. The second need is satisfaction, that we all have this need to do things that are enjoyable. And again, coming back to my survey that, that I looked at or those top workplaces, they met this need because they said, you know, we do fun things here. There's opportunities for professional development. It's a happy environment. There's these perks that we have. We have picnics and we do fun things together. And so I thought, interesting. Okay, so there's those, those two needs that, that are fundamental. This third need is really where it stands out. This is really where I, I hope we, we go today. It's yeah. this, we're all born, Marcel, with this longing for belonging, this craving for connection. And that is, is the secret sauce is these workplaces, they meet the need of safety, satisfaction, and ultimately it is about connection. It's mm. about relationships. Relationship, that, that is fundamental. That is the secret sauce. And I found out only about 36% of workplaces meet all three of these fundamental human needs. Uh, okay. I want to get into a discussion with you about what I have felt for years now is an obstacle that is still prevalent in the workplace today. And something that I believe is really detrimental to having a culture that meets those three things, safety, satisfaction, but especially connection. Hang tight. We're going to get into the discussion after a short message. Don't go away. Hey, leaders and managers, Marcel here. 
You probably already know this if you've been following the show. The question comes up often. What's the purpose of this show? What's the why behind Love in Action? Well, the simple answer? We need to eliminate suffering in the workplace and help leaders to flourish. Because when we have good leaders in place, the people under their care also flourish. That is really good for business. And by the way, as an extension of the podcast, I launched a leadership development course. It's got a catchy name. Check it out on my website. It's called From Boss to Leader. And in this course, I teach the skills that you often hear on the show. Things like how to communicate more effectively, how to engage your employees to put out their best effort, and how to build a high-performing organization. So check it out. I'm taking calls right now. And I'd love to personally chat with you to see if this course may be a good fit. Reach me on my website, marcelschwantes.com, and click on virtual training. We're back. So David, I want to talk to you about something that is still unfortunately so prevalent in today's workplace and something that is just going to strip you of your ability to perform well and be emotionally engaged and connect with others and connect to your work. And that is fear. So I always ask my guests this question, but I'm really interested in what you have to say about fear as it relates to your work on family science. So we've established that A top workplace is one that meets the basic human needs in the case that you have just stated for us is it's safety, satisfaction, and connection. And, you know, treating employees like family. But in cultures of fear, where those things are absent, people don't feel safe. There's little satisfaction, and they're certainly not connected because they're too busy looking over their shoulder and making sure they're just surviving day to day. So here's the question. Why do you feel people in positions of power and influence still lead through fear when the evidence is clear that connection, safety, and satisfaction, and belonging all lead to high performance and business results? Fundamentally, Marcel, fear cripples connection and it kills creativity. And those are, those are essential in the workplaces. For workplaces that are booming, what happens is that, and why, why do they use it? Why, why do parents, I'm going to come back to a lot of family stuff, Marcel. Why do parents use it? Because number one, it works. Okay, hear me out. Temporarily, it works, right? I can threaten my child and get after them and instill that fear in them. Will they comply? Will they be obedient? Most likely they will. But what's happening inside of their brains and their noggins are these, these wiring then for, I'm not going to take a risk because I'm afraid of the punishment that's going to come. So what happens inside of our brains is fear is at a different part of our brain. And when fear is activated in the amygdala, right, it puts it on this response of, of protection. It comes back to the, the need of that safety. And I, when I'm worried about fear or I'm making a mistake, then again, it cripples creativity. And I'm not going to try. I'm going to be, like you said, looking over my shoulder. I'm going to be worrying. And what happens our brains are presented with about 11 million pieces of information every second, but we can only focus on about 40 bits per second. Mm. 
And so when our 40 bits are consumed with fear, fear is always about the future. It's about something that hasn't happened. In fact, about 85% of the things we fear, Marcel, never happen. Mm. About 85%. And so what happens is we're not living in the now. We can't be creative. We can't focus on those connections, the relationships and the other things because it is fear. Fear is always is future focused, hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So that, that's what's, what's crippling is that I can't build that. First, fear cripples trust as well. I don't have that trust. And so leaders today are still using it. It's kind of this old model. It's the, it's the mean coach model, right? My son's at, at football right now, practice, and, and he's in seventh grade, and it's this fear, fear, and yelling at him, and it, don't you, what? And then yeah. they're afraid. They're afraid, I don't want to mess up because I'm going to get yelled at. And you see this downward spiral. You see it on football teams. You see it in families. And unfortunately, you're seeing it in workplaces. Yeah, I saw it in a previous workplace. I'm going to go back a couple of decades now that's showing my age. But yeah, I remember being in an environment that was stifling because it was a fear-based management approach or style, whatever you want to call it. And people were afraid. I was walking on eggshells. And because I was afraid that if I took a turn to the left when I should have gone to the right, that I was going to be reprimanded. But that was the culture. And I realized after two years, can't believe I lasted that long, I realized that I wasn't a culture fit. And people think about cultures as positive, engaging, human-centered cultures. You can also have very toxic and pressure cooker type of cultures that are going to be detrimental to your health and well-being. That experience eventually landed me in the emergency room because there were so much toxins being released in my body that my back literally went out. I broke my back and I ended up in disability for a couple of months. So that's my experience in a fear-based environment. And it's happening all over. And it's unfortunate. And many of them don't even realize it because, hey, it's kind of working. You know, if I get really mad or if I punish them or... But what happens fear is basically a stress response inside of, the, of, our, of our noggins, right? And it turns on yeah. that, releases that cortisol. And now a little bit of stress, a little bit of pressure, hey, let's you know, perform, is, is healthy. But it's the fear uh, that hangs over our heads that a lot of managers, they say, huh, things to be working. Maybe, you know, they're, they're working, but they're working for, for all the wrong reasons. And what happens is, is it won't last. And same in families, right? It works and it may work temporarily but it doesn't last and it cripples the culture, it cripples creativity and man, it cripples connection. Mm. Yeah, let's end on that note. So let's get back to this idea of building workplaces founded on family culture. From a business standpoint, David, what's the benefit of doing that? You see this all over the place. So the benefit is not only in the, the bottom line, right? These businesses, they, they do better, but they do better because of the, the culture that is created. And, and cultures are really created from experience to experience. It's these little small wins, right, that are created inside of the, these businesses. For example, gratitude. In, in one survey, 81% of employees said that they would work harder for a grateful boss. I mean, talk about a, a nugget right there. Work hard for a grateful boss, someone that simply expresses gratitude, right, regularly. 35% Marcel's report never being thanked by a manager. And, and that is sad. That is yeah. sad. So it, what it does is it creates this morale. It creates this, this environment, this culture that I can thrive, that I can be creative. I can take risks and be rewarded, even if it doesn't work out. And say, hey, here's some, take a risk. Work, work on this together. 
it, it creates this cohesion. Again, I come back to families. What are the benefits in families? These families, they, they thrive. The children do better in school, right? So it, it's this upward spiral, and I call it a spillover effect. So it spills over, and when I am happy and I'm doing well as an individual, it spills over not into my relationships. But I go to work, and I'm not thinking about that nasty fight that I had my, with my wife or all the things that I've got to do. My brain, now a happy brain, turns on all the learning centers in our brain when we are happy and positive. And so, wow, I mean, it, it spills over into the workplace because creativity, intelligence rises, energy rises, the creativity that we talked about, all of that rises when we're positive, when we feel safe and happy at work. Well, you've alluded to a few ways that we will experience a family atmosphere, but you've been there. You've kind of walked into some of these places. What are some examples that you've personally seen where, you know, workplaces actually feel like families? Yeah. With some of this research, again, these, these top workplaces, I was able to visit them. I was able to kind of sit down. I was able to, to see what's on the wall and I see these values and big, bold and they don't only just have them on the wall, but I can tell that it's in the, the employees' hearts, really. And so a few of these that I saw that stand up, I walked around, for example, in, in this one workplace, this human resources, he's taking me around. I talk about this in my TEDx, and a Nerf football comes whizzing by his head. It's like, oh my goodness, what, what's going on here? And before I know it, an employee tosses me a Nerf football. And he says, yeah, drill him in the back. And I'm like, what? What do I do? And so I drill him <laughs> in the back. And Nerf footballs are flying around. I thought, wow, they, they feel safe enough that they're having fun, that this human resources, he was giving high fives, he's giving fist bumps. He knew every single employee by name. There's hundreds of employees here. And so that's, that's a little thing that he, he's smiling. That's a simple little thing, but the research on smiling is massive. It's a small little happy hack that people can do. I know CEOs, for example, Marcel, that text their employees on their one-year anniversaries thanking them for being part of the, of the team. Say, hey, you know, I'm so grateful that you're, that you're part of the team. I'm, thanks for being here. Um, we're, we're so much better by having you on this team. So they do, it's little things. It's not often these big, yeah, you know, it's company parties and get-togethers, but it's the little interactions, the small and simple little things that they're doing. It's a little a note, right? A little sticky note that's left on their computer screen. Say, hey, thanks so much for that report. You nailed it. I sure appreciate it. Or it's checking in about, they, they care not about their work, but the real CEOs and managers who do well, they care about the personal lives of their employees. Say, hey, yeah, I heard you, your, your wife is in the hospital. Here's some flowers. How are things? Sure hope, you know, we're sure been thinking about you. So they care about their personal lives as well as their professional lives. Yeah. Let me play a little devil's advocate here. I worked for a company a long time ago that one of their core values on the wall was play. And they were in the creative industry. They did the digital advertising design and all that stuff. But what's interesting is that I remember I was their talent manager. So I spearheaded all of the functions related to talent and leadership and organizational development, right? And I remember that their exit interview report that I was in charge of, I was gathering the data to find out what the trends were, why people were leaving. Well, it turns out that this company had about 65% turnover. So they were bleeding money, right? Because turnover is costly. And when I looked at the trends, I saw that a lot of things went back to leadership, lack of the things that we've been talking about, lack of engagement and people feeling like they belong and that they're safe to express themselves, et cetera, et cetera. But here they are one day, they wanted to 
put their play core value in action. And we had this couple hours of just pure fun of pulling out our Nerf guns. You know, everybody had a Nerf gun. One guy had one that was so big, it was, it needed two people to carry it. But you know, these are toys. And we just spent two hours going around, running around, shooting each other. And we had teams. So that was a blast. But here we are. I'm still working for a company that had 65% turnover and people are bad-mouthing each other and management doesn't really care about their employees. I found that really interesting that what they were doing is that it was the play, it was kind of a surface thing, not really a core value that was demonstrated on a day-to-day level. It was more event-focused. Hey, let's have a Nerf War Day to, to show our employees that we're doing our core value thing, right? We're doing this exercise of showing our core values, but it didn't translate down into trenches on a day-to-day level. Oh, man. Any kind of behaviors can kind of be, they can be forced, they can be faked, but it's different when it's felt and, and kind of timing of everything. So just because a, a family says, hey, you know, we've really been struggling. Let's have a water fight, right? Let's, let's do something. But if underlying, underlying this, right, this, this safety of, yeah, there's trust, there's emotional safety, there's psychological safety, there's not this fear. If you put any kind of a fun or a play or anything on top of that, but that foundation is not there, it's going to feel superficial or it's going to feel temporary and it's not going to fix the issue. What happens, I think, in these strong companies, they have the foundation right first. And that's, that's the person is doing well in their personal lives. But it goes, it goes like this, Marcel. It goes connection, direction, correction in mm. that order. And when companies get those out of order and they focus on correction as their, right, their, as their foundation and their base, you see all kinds of issues and struggles. And so when there is a connection, a genuine connection, and I'm connecting, so there's not the, the backbiting stuff because I trust you. I know you. I know the CEO's first name. He sat at a table and he's eaten with me. Right? He's asked me you know, questions about my life. He's open to my input. That, yeah. So no amount of play or satisfaction can make up for the other two needs. Yeah. It's interesting that that Nerf gun war happened on a Friday. And then the following Monday, people got back to work and things were back to normal. Nobody could trust anybody as far as they could throw them. So I think we need to do a deeper dive on the connection part of those three things that lead to human flourishing in the workplace. So what are some of the things that managers can do to build connection? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. And I'm going to come back to family for a minute, family scholar. So come back to families for a minute. I think what, what makes for strong connection in families? We know that as I study strong families, it is not just recognizing them, right? Recognizing employees for, Hey, here's a reward or something for them. That, in one study, that showed about a, a 23% that they're more effective and productive. But it was interesting, the employees that felt valued and cared for, their productivity increased about 43%. And so it goes a little bit above just recognizing, recognition is, is good, but it's feeling valued and cared for. And what is that? Okay, the two top, the top two, the science bears this out, is gratitude and then the number one, the number one predictor of, of happiness in these studies that have been done for decades, Martin Seligman and the positive psychology, this movement is kindness. He says mm. a single act of kindness produces the single most reliable momentary increase in well-being of any exercise that they've tested. 
Mm. So service. So it is, it's service. It's, it's kindness. It's gratitude. It's the little sticky note. It's the text message. It's being accepted. It's quick to forgive as well. All of us are going to make mistakes. But one of the worst things a manager can do is to hold on to that. No one likes that grudge feeling of, you know, I, I blew it. And now, now I'm afraid. Now I'm a loser. Now he's not going to trust me. But a manager that can come up to an employee and say, hey, you know what? I'm so sorry that that happened and, and it, it kind of blew up in our faces. But, you know, I'm going to put you back. It's putting him back in the cage. It's the kid that just fumbled the football. and say, no, you get, back, you get back out there. You show me. I know you can do this. And so they instill confidence and hope instead of, of fear. And so it really is. It's the little things. Value, mm. recognition, gratitude, appreciation, it's kindness. It's, it's not one thing, but it's many little things that these managers are doing that are making their workplaces successful. Yeah, and it builds up. You practice it over and over and make it a habit. It builds up over time, and then people pass it on to other people. It is. It's okay. contagious. It's contagious. Yeah. So we're talking about this pandemic and this virus that's contagious. You know what's more contagious than a virus? is kindness. That's the key to connection. It's kindness. Yeah. Kindness begets kindness. Mm -hmm. Well, let's get even more practical. Speak to the CEOs that are listening. So if I'm a CEO and I fully bought onto this idea of I want to build a family culture, okay? So I get together with my chief HR officer and I say, I want to begin the process of becoming a more family-oriented culture. Is there a first step? How do I do it? Yeah. The first step in my mind is understanding people's strengths. And that's for individuals now. Again, kind of going back to positive psychology in this area, when the greatest happiness comes when we are recognizing and we use our strengths. And so I would point CEOs step day one to the Authentic Happiness website, authentichappiness.org, the VIA character strengths. You identify your strengths, right? If I'm going, if I'm stranded on an island and I can bring five things, and Marcel, you can bring five things. The first thing I'm interested in is, is what did you bring? What are your strengths? Can you start fires? What can you do? Mm. And so when, when managers can recognize, I need to understand my team's strengths, and then I can play to their strength because people thrive and they do their very, very best work when they're in the state of flow. You heard of flow when, they, of when, course. I, when I lose track of time, when I'm immersed in this idea of, of a project using all 40 bits of, of attention and concentration, I would have them first identify their strengths and then use those, use those strengths, recognize them, have everybody put their strengths, right? Print them out, put them on the bottom of their computer for everyone to see and recognize. I would start my meetings with a good news minute. I would start with the good things. Tell me about the good things going on on your, Marcel, what's going on in your family? Tell me about your seven-year-old. How's, how's he doing? Right? It's so different than, okay, let's start with these numbers and now let's move to this PowerPoint slide. No, no one wants to do that. Start with the good news minute. Tell me about the good things that are going on because what that does is it primes the brain then for positivity and creativity, all these other things, then it creates this upward spiral. So mm -hmm. I would, and another thing that I would do, I would ask the employees for their input, their suggestions. What do you think? What needs to change? And be open to their suggestions. You got to have thick skin. And right. so what that is, it builds trust. It builds respect. They're coming to me for for advice. Wow. What, what in the world? So ask them, what would you want? What do you think would make this a better workplace culture? What can I do for you as a CEO? Another one that these strong workplaces are doing from day one is that they have, let's say two hours or four hours, or it's a set amount of time you can give back. I'm going to pay you to go in the community. You find a cause 
that you're really passionate about and go spend two hours volunteering, helping in the community. I've done research on that, Marcel, and those that are doing that rarely are, are happier and they're more productive. Yeah. So it sounds maybe a little bit counterintuitive, but that's what I would recommend. Thank you so much for that. David, I love it that we uh, connected and had this conversation. It's so, so vitally important. So we bring every podcast home with two questions. What's really tugging at your heart right now that you would like us to know? I think it, for me, it comes, comes to this. In my mind, people are more important than problems. I try to tell my kids that every day. It's relationships. When I ask people you know, in the surveys, I said, what would you miss if you were to die tomorrow? What would it be? It's not their work. It's people. It's relationships. And so relationships right now for me are the most important thing. My connections. Connections to my, to my family. The connections to my, my friends, to faith group. That's what matters most to me right now. Mm, mm. And finally, David, you close us out your way with one final takeaway or message that will make a difference in our lives. Okay. And, and here's eight words that I'd love your, your listeners to remember. This is my, my, my formula for happiness and success, Marcel, and it's this. Search inward, turn outward, look upward, and press forward. Okay. So we search, we search inward. What are my strengths? I turn outward. I use those strengths. I look upward and have, have faith more than fear and have hope and optimism. And then I press forward through, whether it's a pandemic or a slump in the, in the difficulties in the culture, I press forward. You press forward, we're all going to have a struggle time. So that's it. Search inward, turn outward, look upward, and press forward. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. David, it's been an honor, pleasure. We finally connected if you want to reach out to me on my website, I'm going to put the ink article that I wrote with David's views also on the show notes. But I thank you, sir, for joining us. It's been a blast. Hey, it's been such a pleasure, Marcel. Thanks for having me. So my special thanks to David Schramm for joining us. And thank you for being here and spreading the Love in Action movement. We would be grateful if you could subscribe to the show and leave us a review. If you'd like the show notes, as I mentioned, and other resources related to this episode, visit my website, marcelschwantes.com and click on the Love in Action tab. Finally, if you or your company would like to sponsor episodes of the Love in Action podcast, I'd love to chat with you. You can reach me on my website or on LinkedIn. I'd, I'd be delighted to have a conversation about sponsorship. Next week, I'm flying solo. That's right. No guest. It's just you and me. I'll be sharing my latest thoughts, ideas, and strategies to help you become a better leader. Until then, don't forget, love in action is what will truly set your leadership apart. Try it and be convinced. Thanks for joining us on the Love in Action podcast. If you enjoyed this show and want to help get the word out, make sure to subscribe and leave a review.